Welcome to The Living Room, a cozy place of candid conversation. We're a group of women in various ages and stages of life. Join us for thoughtful discussion with a side of humor. We chat about everything from parenting issues to life balance, what matters most, and how to make it happen in everyday life. Settle in just to listen or feel free to add your comments online at www.fromthelivingroom.com. And now, your hosts for today's show. Hello, hello, and welcome to The Living Room. We are so excited that you are coming in to join us and listen to us today. We have a great show in store for you, and I am your host, Michelle McCullough, but we're also joined by... Jana. Jody, Heather. And we are excited to have this conversation. Now, I'm going to tell you how this conversation came about and why I'm so interested and excited about this show. A few months ago, we did a show... Um, that got a lot of comments and feedback to me about being unoffendable. And so if you haven't heard that show, you can go back and listen to it. But I had a listener of our show call me on the phone and said, Hey, Michelle, I listened to your show, Be Unoffendable, and I think it's great. And she said, but at what point can I stand up for myself? Um, And at what point can I stop? Right um, now. Turning the other (laughs) way. And that is exactly what I said to her. Right now you can. And I think this is an important conversation because there's a difference between, and I think I think as Christian women, we have the conversation that we want to turn the other cheek and we want to be always be kind and we never want to do something. But there's a fine line between being unoffendable and being a doormat and the places where we get people to walk all over us. And I think that sometimes in, in the era of Christianity, we will choose to let things go, which I think is good. But at what point are we giving ourselves an opportunity to get um, walked on instead of standing up for ourselves when we need to? And this really reminded me of a conversation that I had with one of my friends in college. I was in a situation in a relationship where I had been kind of taken advantage of emotionally. And I remember saying to a friend, I don't even know what to do now. Like, it is so bad. I I don't even know how to get out of the circumstance. And he gave me a great analogy because I said, if I complain now, I'm going to look like a really bad person. Like, I've let this go on for so long that I that now, now he's going to say to me, well, what's your problem? Mm-hmm. And he said, well, think about it like this. He's like, you know, sometimes when you get uh, get into an abusive situation, even if it's just verbal, whether it's a friend and a family relationship or something else, he's like, you get thrown into a barrel. And you think to yourself, oh, the barrel's not so bad. I can still breathe. I can still see. Uh, I could be comfortable in here. And he said, and then they throw a lid on. And you're like, oh, well, that's not terrible. I can, there's still the hole where things come out. I can still see out of that. I can still breathe. When people come by, say hello, things are great. And he said, then they come by and they stop it up. And you're like, okay, wait, now this is a problem. And Mm -hmm. at some point you realize that you have been in an uncomfortable position the whole time, but you have to figure out how to say, okay, even though I let you put me in a barrel, even though I let you put the lid on somewhere, we have to acknowledge the places where we could have said, hey, don't do that. But yes. it's never too late to say that. But there's a fine line between being mean about it and saying things with confidence and standing up for yourself. So this is the conversation we're having today um, and about how it's one thing to be patient and to give people the benefit of the doubt and to turn the other cheek. But when does the situation turn from extending a kindness to something you need to stand up for? So I'd love to hear from each of you. Have you ever had an experience where you knew you needed to stand up for yourself but didn't? And then you had to come back later to stand up for yourself. All the time. Yeah. (laughs) I'm a doormat. I'll just own it. I am a doormat sometimes. And it gets me in trouble because what I do, I've noticed it in a few different situations. If there are a group of people that are trying to, um, you know, choose a time that works, 
I will frequently just, oh yeah, okay, okay, yeah, I can make that work. And in my mind, I'm thinking of all these cartwheels and pretzels that I can work out to make that thing happen. When, in fact, other people are saying, oh no, that doesn't work for me, no, that doesn't work for me. And it, it's really, it takes me some real, I don't know what kind of thought process to realize that it's okay for me to say, no, that doesn't work for me. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, I'm just super adaptable. But then what happens, and this is where it really gets me in trouble, and I would say I, I, it happens at home too. You know, I'll give and give and give, and then all of a sudden I'm mad one day, and they're like, what's your problem, you know? Yep. And uh, and it's it's that thing. It's like once you... You'll give and give and give and give and give and not realize that it's, you know, you're happy to do that and you're optimistic and whatever. And then you, you cross a line where you feel like you've been taken advantage of and then all of a sudden it's so not okay. And I think if I were better at setting up boundaries at the outset, like you're saying, before I'm even in the barrel, no, I don't want to go in a barrel, right? Mm -hmm. Then I don't think I would have to respond in anger. Because frequently, that's what gets me in trouble, is, is I've, I put up with too much for too long, and then it's like, ah! Yeah, the straw that break the camel's back, exactly. right? Exactly. Yeah. Instead of dealing with, the, the, what like, hey, that itches or that bothers me, don't do that. And then all, this, all the time, it's like, oh, now I'm broken. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, excellent. I like that example. That also reminded me of all the times where somebody said, hey, let's go get Thai food, and I really didn't want Thai food. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, fine, whatever. It doesn't matter if they really want Thai food. And then I am bugged the whole night that I didn't say, I don't really want Thai food. Yeah. But see, I, I not, I, I don't know, call it interject. I don't know. Please. Because I'm very much like that too, very much. <laughs> Whether it's a restaurant that my husband wants to eat at or whether it's stuff going on around the house or a time, any of that. But the fact of the matter is, if I'm willing to say, okay, fine, let's go get Thai food, even though I didn't want it, then the irritation, it's still my issue. It has nothing yes. to do with the people we're with, right? Not so mm -hmm. so yeah. if we're not going to step up and if we're not going to speak up, then, you know, isn't it funny that then we are irritated with the people around us when really the only people we should be really irritated with is ourselves because they didn't. They didn't do anything, right? Mm -hmm. So even before the straw breaks our back, it has to be a place where we step back and say, wait a second, I I did all this voluntarily. I, you know, chose to serve and help and, you know, clean up all your crap all day for 25 years. I chose that. <laughs> and I did it, you know, with a willing attitude up to this point. So now why all of a sudden do I get to blame you when, mm -hmm. I've, when I've chosen it? So I think we have to be really careful because we let that irritation take it on someone else when really... If you're not going to speak up, if I'm not going to speak up about where I want to eat, then I can't be irritated where we go when we go somewhere I don't like. Well, I think that's right? the way through, and I think especially think about it. The reason Michelle might have said, "Okay, I'll go get Thai food," even though I don't want Thai food, right. is because she wanted to be with those people, right? And then to be irritated that those people defeats the purpose, Absolutely, right? And yeah. that's where setting up the boundaries and speaking up is better for your relationships. Because I would do the same thing. Sure, I'll do this for you. I'll do that because I love you. Well, yeah, mm -hmm. for, right? I think about that with my family all the time, or with my husband, and I agree or say, "Sure, that works," or manip not manipulate, or like pretzel again like you said to make mm -hmm. something work so mm -hmm. that it's easier for him yeah. and I do it because I love him I want things to be better or easier or how can I help absolutely I so then it's my job to own that I've got to own yes. it if I'm gonna do it yeah right or else I've got to say I'm sorry that's not gonna work right now yeah, yeah. yeah. that's so choose. important I think I think it is a skill that we learn to not be a doormat. You know, there's skills things that you can learn to say on to how to respond there are some individuals that are um really really good at communicating exactly what they want. My husband yeah. being one of them. And he really is very clear and concise. 
And some, if I look back at earlier years in our marriage, you know, there were probably times where I really did have those feelings. Like I would have been like, oh, darn it. We, why can't we ever go for, you know, the other food? And I wasn't willing to speak up. And yet it really didn't bug me until after 12 years of it. And I'm like, why don't you ever notice that maybe I want to go somewhere different? I know. It's a skill to learn to say, you know what, how do I say this so that I don't come across, we're afraid of being rude or and of course women we go through the whole thing where heaven forbid we're too assertive if we you know if we come forward and instead of being more confident there's studies that show that that we're looked at as you know not being confident but assertive and that's aggressive or aggressive sorry aggressive is the word i'm looking for so i i have really needed to learn skills because i kind of honestly went the other direction I, I got pushed a little too far, one too many times, and I don't know, I kind of say I turned 40, and people would laugh and say, oh, that didn't really happen, but that's, it was a turning point <laughs> where something something changed in my nature, and I became a little bit more like, mm, nope, don't want to do that, and it took, <laughs> it took my husband, it took friends, it took family to go, what happened to you, and, and I had to backpedal and say, wait a minute, it's not wrong to stand up for myself, but I was doing it incorrectly, and I probably have to admit, I probably do it wrong still today. I'm still learning some of those skills. Well, and, and here's, it's just, I teach my classes the same thing and the couples that I work with. If you need to say something, if you will say it thinking of the people in front of you as people, instead of like you read in Leadership and Self-Deception, which is a book I love, instead of objects, if you, mm-hmm. if you tell your spouse you don't want to eat Thai food or you're not up for that movie or whatever it might be, and you see them as a person when you're delivering that message, it's completely different than how we usually handle things, right? Which is seeing them as something in the way of what we want, right? An obstacle. My friends are an obstacle in the way of me actually getting to McDonald's because I don't want time, whatever it might be. Yeah, yeah. And it's not McDonald's, but whatever. It's it's different than if I see them as people. And they love restaurants too, and they love certain foods, and they love to be together with friends. and And so once we start to see them as people who have hopes and dreams and fears and concerns just like we do, then we can actually deliver a message from a place of compassion and empathy, and still include our own thoughts and feelings instead of, hey, big jerk, we always go there, can't we choose somewhere else, right? Right. right? Which is oftentimes what comes out. And, you know, we can talk about Thai food as a joke, but part of that also is, is, is do you have a nature and a friendship with your friends where if you go to Thai food one time, the next time they're going to say, hey, we went to Thai food, where do you want to go? Mm-hmm. And that's okay, right? Yeah. And all of those things are fine. And it's, it's not about being a doormat when you say you're going to let someone else have something that they want as long as you feel like that's mutual and right. that that is that you're in a safe space to then say, hey, can we go somewhere else this time, like you said. And I think that that's important too. And how you say it is so important. Yeah. And how you are yes. in your relationships is so important. And, you know, you can get some powerful people in a room. And, um, you know, I have some, even some speaking friends that we collaborated on a project and we all had different opinions about how it needed to be done. And, and at some point we had to figure out how to say, okay, great. And we did have to figure out how to compromise. And there's a difference between being a doormat and compromising as well. Mm -hmm. But I think compromise is one of the fastest ways to get to a place where you can come to a relationship and say, Hey, how can we, what's the win-win on this? My mom was always about what's the win-win and you can say your part and you can say your part and how can we make everybody happy? And then sometimes there's not a win-win. Right. Sometimes there's but, just not happiness for both people. Yeah. One person goes away with a little less, but that's but, okay. But there's a choice there yeah. and to be able to say with all things considered, this is the best mm-hmm. decision. Yeah. I like that. Well, and I think we have to be careful because we put a lot of emphasis on, I know married couples all I'll sit down with them and, you know, the wife immediately looks at me and she's like, how do I just say it the right way? 
How do mm-hmm. I say it the right yeah. way? But the fact of the matter is, if, if our hearts are in the right place, you can actually botch the words up all you want. <laughs> but if your spouse or your family members or your friends know that the intent is still correct, it's actually the intent that they'll respond to. We respond to how we feel the other person feels about us. That's what we respond to. I can botch the words and not quite get them right. Now, I'm not talking like you come in with the F word blazing. That's what we're talking about. But <laughs> but, but I cannot say it quite right. And, and if our hearts are in the right place, it can still be received the right way. And so we have to be really careful with that because sometimes we're so worried about, well, should I say it like this? And is, is the timing right? Should I say it at 10 or at 10.15? Should I do it like this or like that? When really it's establishing a, a, a connection between our hearts, which then allows us to say what it is we need to say so that we can stand up for ourselves and share our opinions. I learned something recently at a, an education week that I went to at a university nearby. And um, I'll put this information on our Facebook page. But the gentleman that was teaching the class is a PhD in entrepreneurial business. So it was interesting that he's teaching, you know, his purpose is to teach salespeople, but he was teaching us in parenting, how to relate with neighbors, how to relate with our spouses and so forth. But one of the things that was just a simple tool he put in our toolkit, as he called it, was eyebrows up. And when you say something with eyebrows up, say anything, the sky is blue, your, your voice just automatically does something. Uh-huh. So he was showing us that when somebody says something curt to you or really is trying to get your goat, which then is a whole other issue. But at the same time, sometimes we become doormats to people who say those things that are just a little bit sarcastic, a little underhanded, or again, you're interpreting it to be that way. And his point was you can respond to anything with eyebrows up and kind of twist it to be a little bit less harsh or less Mm, evasive. And so, um, for example, if somebody even uh, kind of stabbed you in the back, let's say somebody did, or asked you to do something that you really don't want to do. If you respond with eyebrows up and go, oh, well, that's one way to look at it. Um, that's interesting. Or tell me more. The eyebrows up just automatically shifts the energy. Now, I've tried it that's in many, many different aspects. <laughs> As a, you know, That was just a, a good example. But I, I think you're right on the intent. I also learned in that same class that we're not intimate with every human being. Therefore, we will really not have the understanding of each other's hearts. We're not going to be intimate with the grocery store clerk. or And really, they could, they could treat us like a doormat if they wanted to, and we could allow them to. But the people that are really most likely going to treat us as doormats are the people we're intimate with. You know, and intimate not necessarily meaning just your spouse, but you have a more intimate relationship with, with a dear friend who might want you to babysit for many hours on end, then you do a neighbor. And so it was helpful for me to go through this class and kind of understand who who am I more vulnerable to in becoming a doormat um, and why and what can I, you know, what can I do about it? So those two things I came kind of came away mm-hmm. thinking about and pondering and but you might see me eyebrows up <laughs> going, oh, run that by me again or it just was really simple, you know, for me to take yeah, it. And also great. to remember, I, I don't have to have the responsibility of understanding every single person. They have the responsibility, too, to come, you know, halfway. But how do I want to respond? And, and where are my boundaries set? Yeah. So that I still feel safe. So that I still feel in control of myself. Does that make sense? Yeah. As I'm you listening know? to all of this, I keep thinking, and I wonder if, if there are times that I'm unwittingly forcing someone else to be a doormat, and if there 
if I could be more sensitive to, oh, I chose the movie last time, why don't you choose? Or I chose the restaurant last time, why don't you choose? So I'm not putting someone else in a doormat situation so that I'm helping other people with sure. their boundaries. Yeah. Well, and I think sometimes we get caught up on things, not because they actually mean a lot to us, but because society tells us we should speak up for them. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, if we go back to the restaurant thing, which ironically enough happens between, like, all couples. Like, yeah. It's just yeah. repetitive. To be perfectly honest, I don't really care where we eat. And and I'll, and I'll say that. And I've had friends that are like, well, don't you ever want to choose? Or what about... And I, I, they tell me I should care. If my husband likes where we go, that actually makes me happier than if I got to choose. I... I don't care. I genuinely don't care. So if you really take a step back, we kind of have to decide, are we standing up for this because someone's telling us we should, because our friends said we should, because we, or do we genuinely have an opinion about this that needs to be shared? Mm -hmm. And there's a big difference. I think sometimes we get caught up in, you know, well, I should have an opinion right now, but then it's like, well, actually I, I I don't really, I'm super cool with what (laughs) I'm okay with that. If you're happy, I'm okay. But we get pressured a lot. I think that, so yeah, one of the should points stand would up be in certain ways. know what you stand for, Absolutely. know what you want, know what you, you know, I got into a situation many years ago when I had um, my fourth child um, between, I think it was when she was just about a year old, there was a, a woman that I lived by and um, she decided that she was going to work a part-time job, but yet she did so without having a babysitter. And I was serving in a church calling at the time, which was a volunteer position and um, so I was the I was over this organization, and so I was the first person she called and said, "Hey, I'm not going to have babysitting for my twins, and uh, could I could I bring them over about ten o'clock and have you watch them on Tuesdays and Thursdays?" And so, oh. what did I do? I was just thirty five years old, and I said, or thirty thirty seven, and I, not that thirty five thirty seven doesn't mean you have a backbone, but I was less of a backbone individual back then, and I just I just went. To that space of well, okay, and I, I hang up the phone and I go, wait a minute, I had things planned from ten to two, and then um, I just I I saw myself as wanting to be helpful, wanting to be service oriented, and yet when I explore that more later on, I go, wait a minute, I wanted to be liked, mm-hmm. I I didn't oh, want yeah. to disappoint, yeah, and I just took a personality test recently that says one of the hardest things that 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 I suffer from if that's silly enough is i don't want to disappoint people absolutely and so um you know that well, was a heavy an thing. Child thing are you an oldest yes child? i'm an oldest child i think getting real with myself and saying wait a minute i love this person um and i want to help her however i do have some boundaries that i need to respect i didn't respect my boundaries and um so i ended up you know, babysitting more times than I should have. And I didn't allow this individual to find her own care because really she's a grown up, And if she's going to go work during the day and there's nobody to babysit her kids, that's not my, um, that's not my issue to solve. It's hers. But in being helpful, at least with my personality, that's something that I've had to learn. That's where I become a doormat more than I should. My heartstrings get pulled, but really I'm the one to blame. It's not somebody else for asking. You can always say no. So I don't know what your, you know, issues are out there, <laughs> but that's one of mine. And being like you said, Heather, it's so important to know, is this a hot button? Is this something I want to fight for? Is this something that's important to me? Or is it, is it a C minus on a scale of A to, you know, A to Z or A to F? Because <laughs> we could, I could have an opinion about everything. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. I technically could have something to say about every single thing, every minute of the day, but 
do I need to? Right. Is it that important? And I think if we go back to what our values are and our, and our true value system, what do we believe in and stand for? If we evaluate it from that standpoint, it lets us know what do I need to speak up about and what, what do I take a high road on that can just be on, you know, yes. go on its way. And if we subscribe to those values, then we should stand up for them. And if they don't meet our value system, then I'm causing trouble if I think I need to speak up about them all the time. So it kind of gives us guidelines a little bit. Ron, I like this nice. too. These are good conversations and saying, okay, if if you find yourself in a situation where you're trying to say, do I speak up? Do I not speak up? You need to ask yourself, does it matter? Does it, does this matter now or later? And you know, with that old adage of choose your battles, I think is true to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. And there are some things I care about more than others, but there also are some times I care more about than mm-hmm. others. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you have to sift through some of those. I like that being a great tool. I like the eyebrows being a tool. What are some other tools? So somebody listening to this call is thinking to themselves, I am in a friendship that I get taken advantage of, or I, she always said something mean about me and I love her and she's great, but this, or I'm in a marriage that is difficult and I've gone so long and I haven't stood up for myself. What are some other tools we can give the people who are listening that says, Hey, if you're in an uncomfortable situation and you're ready to say, yes, now I want to stand up. How can they have some of those conversations with love that is about who they are and with real intent, like you were talking about, um, and say what they need to say without sounding pushy or mean or um, insulting. Well, I, I think to add, if we're calling it a tool, if you go back to seeing them as a person, run that conversation oh, right. yes. through your head first. Mm-hmm. If you have to look at me, Michelle, and you have to tell me something that's going to be hard for me to hear, run it through your head. I can run it through my head first and think, okay, if this message was delivered to me, how would I be receptive? What would hurt my feeling? You know? If someone looks at me and says, you're dumb, that's going to hurt my feelings, right? There's other ways. And so I think if we think through, this is a person, they have feelings like I do. This is going to be difficult for them to hear. This might hurt their feelings. How can I see them as a real person before I deliver that? I think it's a huge tool. I'd add to that, even role play. Find an individual that you really trust that you can say, hey, I've got to have this crucial conversation with my husband. If I let me tell you what I'm thinking, how I would say this. I mean, there are those crucial conversations we need to go to that extent. The other thing that I would suggest that I learned from this great class that I took is make a way to escape. I have anxiety when I start to think about oh, having that difficult in? conversation yeah. and feeling boxed in and and probably going off of experience that oh, this has happened before, I'm gonna get, you know, brain drained into this. And the simple suggestion was make a way to escape. Make your point and then, oh, you know, sorry, I'd love to talk more, but I've got to run. And don't do it with um, with no integrity, but make a way to escape. Make your point. Stand your ground. Um, do it in a way, hopefully, that is, you know, kind, but also assertive. But then allow yourself, even if it's your body language turning and walking the other way, not to shut it down, but to allow yourself to move on. Because sometimes you're going to become that doormat again if you stay in the conversation. Sometimes an individual will be stronger, more confident, and you'll get pulled in. As silly as this sounds too, one of the best places to talk about difficult things is when you're walking instead of when you have to sit in front of people. Mm -hmm. And especially with our spouse, well, with anyone, friends, but our spouses, when there's something difficult to talk about, if you'll talk about it while you're walking, one, you leave distractions behind Two, you're probably not going to yell and scream like walking down your neighborhood street because, you know, people can see I don't know. You haven't seen me walk down my street. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Maybe don't go in Jody's neighborhood. But but the other thing is there's a lot of subconscious things that start to happen when you're walking next to someone. You don't, you know that feeling when you have to look at each other in the eye and it's like, oh my gosh, we're like two feet away. I don't even know where to look. I don't want to look dry. I don't want to, where, what do I do? 
And so the subconscious starts to happen where you're both looking in, in a same at a same goal, which is the end of the street or the end of a block or the tree when you turn left, whatever it might be. And subconsciously that starts to put you on the same page, even if you don't necessarily yeah. agree. Yeah. So yeah. it's a powerful tool. One of our co-hosts, Christy, mentioned a book um, by Brene Brown, Rising Strong. Uh And in that book, she recommends, I love this phrase, and I think of these images. She says, don't puff up, don't shrink back, just stand your sacred ground. And I I think, isn't that good? I yeah. like the word sacred because it keeps it, that's, it, it makes me want to do better. It makes me want to yeah. reach higher. Because there's a way to stand your ground. And yeah. we've all made that mistake I have where you stand your ground yeah. in a not so sacred and way. And don't puff up, yeah, you know, right. get bigger than yourself. And don't be yeah. a wallflower. Don't yeah. be a shrinking violet. But really, And the know. final thing I want to add to this conversation is just put on the pause button. I have to do that. Oh, that's so good. So yeah. often um, more than I do. But put the pause button on and give yourself some space to think about all of the parameters and see how really um, intensely committed you are to that conversation and don't say it right then. I wish, I wish I would have mastered that years ago. I still am trying to work on that because it just, I just want to say it. I want to get it out. And the reality is if I put the pause button on, so that's something I'm working on. And that that's pause button tool. for a doormat might mean don't say yes right now. Oh, exactly. Right? Don't pause say and don't say yes. We think of the pause button for don't overreact, but yeah. yeah. Don't say yes yet. Say, but oh, let, let me, me think, think about, about that, that or yeah. let me check my schedule or mm-hmm. let me get back to you. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a tool I was going to bring up that says in, in, in uncomfortable situations, like um, I've been in a situation before where I wanted to stand up for myself. I knew I needed to. And I did all these things. I practiced. I thought about it. I really tried to show up in a sense of love. And then something happened and they snapped and they snapped back at me and they mm-hmm. threw this big question. I was like, wait a minute. This did not go how I thought it was going to go to my head. And I really practiced. Mm-hmm. But I needed to give myself permission that even though I tried all those things in that instant to say, you know what? I hadn't thought that through. I'm going to think about that and get back to you. We don't have to have all the answers yeah, right sure, then right. and there. Mm-hmm. And in that instant, if you catch yourself in a circumstance, it's okay. Instead of saying, well, I have to stand up for myself right now, or I have to do this or whatever. Mm-hmm. Just say, you know what? Thank you for sharing that. I am going to think about that and I will get back to you. And it doesn't have to have any emotion except to say that I'm not ready for the rest of this conversation right now. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. And, and that, and all of these it things is. are great conversations are great tools. I want to tell you about my friend, the one who called me on the phone and said, Hey, so your show, I have this friend. And she said, every time we're together, she makes a, a cutting remark and it can be something as simple as why don't you dye your hair? You, everyone should dye their hair oh, or, yeah. Or you're too independent and you never let anybody talk to you. And there's always just some little small, like, years of friendship. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I feel like, she's like, I kind of just let it go because she was my friend and I and I loved her. And now I feel like I really want to say, when you say little things, the way, the way that you say them, it's not just, hey, have you ever considered dyeing your hair? It's your hair is gray and you need to dye your hair. And, mm-hmm. and she's, there's like something cutting in there. And she's like, and I'm ready to say what I want to say. And she had thought about it and she practiced it. And, and she had said this, she had approached her friend and said, hey, I need to talk to you. And she focused on one circumstance. Sometimes we go through big, long lists oh, of things. Yeah. And I think that what she learned and what she taught me, which I think is a great tool is sometimes it's not about, Hey, you did this and 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 you did this. She was like, last time we worked together, you said this and it hurt my feelings. And previously there have been some other little things that you've said, like instead of going through this big long list, but mentioning that it was not just a one-time thing, but there was a little bit of a pattern without throwing, like I've been keeping tabs on you forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, right. And she said, and those kinds of things hurt my feelings. I'd love to continue to be friends with you. 
Um, but I'd love to do so in a way that makes me feel comfortable and that I, that we can have a good time together. And, and she expected the woman to go, Oh, you shouldn't let these things hurt you. Blah, blah, blah. She'd gone through all the worst case scenario. And the woman said, I'm sorry, you're right. And I think sometimes we don't speak up because we're afraid that they won't say that. That's yeah. the main thing. And yeah, I think it that is. we, yeah. and we also have to be willing to say, they may not say, I'm sorry. They may never say that. But if we don't say something and we never, ever give people an opportunity to course correct, Mm -hmm. then we are continuing to bring that on ourselves and And we've reached the point where we are at fault. And so we have to be willing to have these conversations, but they can happen in love and we can later show a lot of love and and increase. And we have to be willing to find that moment where we're willing to say, I want something better and I still love the people that I'm with, but I want us all to be in a better place. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for your thoughts. If you have other thoughts about things that you have ideas about how to stand up for yourself in sticky situations and that fine line that we often find ourselves in, we'd love for you to join us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash from the living room. You can also find this and other shows and the Be Offendable show at from the living room.com. So thanks so much for joining us today. And I hope that as you think about these tools, you'll find ways to use them where you need to and that you'll give yourself, your family, your relationships and maybe even your confidence, some living room. I really love Michelle McCullough, and I love everything she teaches me about powering up and powering down and how to take what I want to do in my life and really make it happen. Michelle, why don't you tell us about your book? Well, it's um, just a fun little, I wanted to make it a quick read because I know there's a lot of personal development books out there. There are a lot of success books, but this is just a little bit of weaving into how some things that we can do, especially as women, um, those who have many responsibilities can look at some simple principles that will help you increase your productivity, get more done in a day, find more joy in the everyday, but really take those things that are deep desires in your heart that have been in a little box labeled someday for so long so that you can pull out that box dust it off and uh, look at those goals and dreams and really make it happen. Thank you so much, Michelle. And Make It Happen is available on Michelle's website at speakmichelle.com. Speakmichelle.com and also available on Amazon. Believe me, Michelle has helped me to make it happen and she'll help you make it happen too. Thanks for coming to The Living Room. We hope you've enjoyed listening, laughing, and learning something new. Join us for our next show. And in the meantime, give yourself and those you love some living room.